Hey, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. People listen to this podcast at all hours of the day, but wherever you are and whenever you are, I'm so glad that you've joined me for episode number 133 of the podcast, More Than Bread. Five times a week, about, I drop an episode, usually eh, about 20 minutes. I read a piece of scripture. Lately, it's been all Psalms. And then I, I talk a bit about that scripture, and then I read the scripture again, because honestly, that's the best part. And then I pray for you. So for this session of the Psalms, we're pausing at Psalm 84. It's one of my favorite of my top 40 Psalms. I I love this Psalm, and not just because it's the text of the first song that I sang in a classical music competition. And don't worry, that's a long time ago. I'm not going to break out in song. But I, I love this Psalm more so because this Psalm is an expression of longing and pilgrimage all wrapped up in a profound desire for the presence of God. In fact, this psalm was likely sung by people on a journey making a pilgrimage to the temple. Psalm 84 is a beautiful reminder of the joy of being in God's presence, and and it invites us to anticipate one day being home with God in the house of God. So listen as I read Psalm 84 from the New International Version. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty, My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young. A place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength until each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on your shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Let me just say that again. Uh, This this is, we're going to land on this for a bit in a moment. Better is one day. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere, than than about three years anywhere else. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. If I asked you to describe for me your best day ever, Best day ever. What words would come out of your mouth? I could tell you about some vacation days that rang up there. I remember a day, I was probably about 10 years old in Yellowstone. My dad was cooking breakfast by the side of the road. Man, that was a good day. Fast forward about 32 years or so, and I'm the dad. Instead of Yellowstone, it's Hawaii, the big island. Instead of cooking breakfast by the side of the road, we're snorkeling. We're on a small boat, so it was just our family, and the guide took us to a bay, the same bay where Captain Cook landed, supposedly some of the best snorkeling in the world, and it was amazing. A reef around the bay filled with the colors of the rainbow, amazing fish. And then less than 100 yards out, the reef disappears with a straight drop thousands of feet deep. So, you know, you're kind of snorkeling out over the edge of the drop-off, and that was a little bit unnerving. We were snorkeling. The boys were with me and the girls were with Lynn. And at some point I bumped into Lynn and she asked me where the girls were. I said, I don't know. That was your part. But a little later, I was near our boat and the guide told me that he sent the girls way out there and and he pointed out towards some kayaks in deep water. I said, why? He said, dolphins. 
So we all swam out, and before you know it, we were swimming with dolphins, pods of dolphins all around us, spinners. They'd come out of the air spinning, and there's one family that was playing with a leaf underwater, out of water. They got within five to ten feet of us, and I'm telling you, it was so amazing. When we left for the bay that morning, Lynn had prayed, God, would you astound us today? Give us something that'll make us smile. On the way home, our guide said, I, I can't. I can't believe that happened. Dolphins don't come over to that side of the bay more than two or three times a year. You were really lucky. That was a good day. One of my best ever. But you know what? There's no way in the world I would trade that day for three years of my life. I could tell you about some days that Lynn and I have spent together, the birth of our kids, a high crown Lake Perez, a stone valley that led to God's call to be a part of Calvary a little cottage on the beach, the only vacation that Lynn actually cried when we left. Long, deep talks, mission trips, some really good days that could rank right up there as one of the best ever. Or I could describe the trips I took with each of my kids on my sabbatical a number of years ago. Man, I'd, I'd live any one of those days over again, but I probably wouldn't trade any of those days for a thousand days. I, I wouldn't trade any of those days for three years of my life. I could talk about some ministry moments, days in ministry that certainly rank at the top of my best day ever list. Our our first unity service at Eisenhower in 1997 with 11 other local congregations. Man, that was a good day. There was a day in Myanmar preaching to Burmese missionaries, some of whom had recently seen a fellow missionary stoned to death. That evening, I ended with a story of Stephen, who had been persecuted and stoned to death for Jesus. And, and then I watched the Christ followers who filled the auditorium just surge to the front of the room to make an altar of stones and rededicate their lives to the mission of seeing Myanmar fall in love with Jesus. It's hard to choose. There's so many best days ever. But can I tell you this? I, I wouldn't trade a week of those best days for all the days I have left. I, I wouldn't do it. I realize this is a psalm. Psalm 84 is poetry. It's a song and perhaps a bit of creative license is being taken. But don't miss the delight. Don't miss the anticipation, the passion of what the psalmist, likely David, written for the sons of Korah to sing. Don't miss what David feels when he writes in Psalm 84 verse 10. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. David said, I'd trade a lifetime elsewhere for a month of days in your court, O God. This theme of the courts of the Lord or the house of the Lord is woven throughout the Psalms, and and the words refer to the temple, the tabernacle, but it's not just about a place. Even if the building of the tent is beautifully designed and luxuriously finished, it's not about the amazing music or the inspiring teaching. In fact, the teaching primarily took place elsewhere. The courts of the Lord are all about the presence of God. In Psalm 84, David is saying, if I only had one day to live, I'd live it with God. If I could spend everything to live one day over, I'd choose the day that I most truly spent in the presence of God. What about you? Ask yourself the question, if I only had one day, if I could shape one day to be exactly everything I desire in one day, how would I design that day? Because certainly if I knew how to design that day, I could design another day just like it. And if we could string together a whole bunch of best days, well, man, a bunch of best days equals a good life, right? In Psalm 84, David said that his best days were days spent in the presence of God. Think about that. David was a and he was a great warrior. Think about the day he killed Goliath. What an achievement. National acclaim. David was a poet. Think about the day he finished writing Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. David had some great days. 
But still, he writes, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. David is trying to tell us that his presence, God's presence, is our treasure. That's verses 1 through 4. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my, my flesh cry out for the living God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. How lovely is your dwelling. It's probably a better translation to say, how loved is your dwelling. It's not just lovely, like, oh God, you have a lovely house. It's it's loved. David would rather hang out with God than tailgate at the Penn State football game. He'd rather have a cup of coffee with God than go camping or hunting or shopping or bar hopping. Disney World can't compare any more than Fortnite. The, the corner officer, new house, David just wants to be wherever God is. David was God captivated. And when we're God captivated, God invites us in. He gives us access to his presence because he wants to be known Sometimes he'll wait till we want to know him, but he wants to be known by us. That's why he's given us access into his very presence. That's what the author of Hebrews is saying in Hebrews 10, 19 through 22, and he says, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way right into the very presence of God. See, listen to me, this is so important. If if you believe in Jesus, if you are a follower of Christ, you have access. We all have access. But we don't all have desire. We all have access. We don't all desire. We're not all hungry for God. His accessibility is high. Our desire at times is low. I mean, that's all I can figure out for why I struggle so much personally to spend time in prayer. While his accessibility is high, my desire is low. David's cry for one day in the courts of his God, and it's less about a religious service and it's more about presence. David cries out because God is the great desire of his heart. We all have access to God, but we don't all desire God. So ask yourself right now, what, what is my heart's desire? number of years ago in, in Myanmar, we, we go there to do missions work. We haven't gone since 2020, um, but we used to go every year. And, and one of those years, a few of us traveled farther into the country, and one of the places we stopped was Bagan. Now, about a thousand years ago, over 10,000 Buddhist temples and pagodas were built on the plains of Bagan. And, and today, over 2,000 still exist. At one point, we were walking through a large Buddhist temple. I was praying as I walked because I was witnessing something for me, that was heartbreaking. A large number of people, very poor and desperate, were bowing down to a large golden Buddha. They, they were stuffing what must have been the last of their money into the treasury box and kneeling in prayer, hoping for favor from the Buddha. Off to the side, off to the side, scaffolding had been built because the Buddha was old and falling apart. Workers were busy repairing the broken Buddha. And as I, I think back to those days, as I ponder those days, I picture broken people bowing down to a broken Buddha. I mean, there's a certain insanity to that. But how different are we? Broken people looking to broken people and broken stuff to heal broken hearts. There is an unfillable soul, hole in our souls that cannot be satisfied by by success, or in fact, by any good other than God. So so we're driven for more, always more. We desire what we think will satisfy. 
It starts with desire, this internal burning of our hearts, this thirst. If, if we don't have that, maybe desire needs to be our first prayer. God, change the desires of my heart. Change my desires from whatever it is that distracts me. Turn them to you. Turn my heart towards you. But, but I can't pray that prayer and keep trying to satisfy my heart with everything other than God. You know, we need to stop making excuses for our lack of desire and start repenting for our lack of desire. You can't play three hours of a fortnight and convince God that your heart desires him. We can't give God 10 minutes every other day and then whine about our lack of desire. You can't fill up with hot dogs. Then why wonder why you aren't hungry for steak? See, the question is, what, what are our hearts set on? David is calling us to set our hearts on a pilgrimage to God. He writes in verses 5 through 7, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. David is describing a pilgrimage into the presence of God. We need to take a pilgrimage to the presence of God. Those on the pilgrimage, David said, pass through the valley of Baca. Let let me just uncover the picture that David is painting here. The Hebrew word Baca is a word with two different meanings. Used one way, Baca means weeping. Used another way, Baca refers to a particular kind of balsam tree that only grows in the hot arid, parched places around Jerusalem. So so did David mean the Valley of Tears, the Baca Valley, the, the Valley of Baca? Did David mean the Valley of Tears or the Valley of Dry Bones? Uh, excuse me, did David mean the Valley of Tears or the Valley of Dry Places? See, I think it was both. I think David chose this word with care because he's thinking of both experiences, times of tears and times of thirst. Times of emotional distress and times of spiritual dryness. Times of grief and times times when it seemed like your heart would never heal. Times of brokenness and times of helplessness. See, this pilgrimage into the presence of God, it's not for the faint of heart. If our desire is weak, the weeping and the dryness will be our last stop. But honestly, while desire is necessary... While desire is necessary, it's not sufficient. We need it, but we need more. We need discipline. See, desire plus discipline equals pilgrimage. Desire plus discipline equals pilgrimage. Desire is that that beginning wish, the thirst, the motivation that aims our hearts in a different direction. But discipline is what we do when we don't want to do what we need to do in order to get where we want to get. Desire is the hunger of our hearts. Discipline is learning to cook. Desire is the romantic burst of love that brings the pursuit. Discipline is learning how to resolve conflict. Desire flares when the Spirit uses a song or a word to kind of put our hearts in a vice and squeeze, but discipline is the sweaty, hard work of developing habits. We don't make it on a pilgrimage without both desire and discipline. And listen, there will be days of deep satisfaction in the courts of the Lord, but there will also be seasons in the valley of Baca, times of dryness and times of tears, times of brokenness and times when you need a strength that goes beyond your strength. But listen, the valley of Baca is not a detour. The the valley of Baca is is the place where desire and discipline are forged together. We, We can't enter the courts of the Lord. Let me say that again. We can't enter the courts of the Lord without going through the valley of Baca. 
That's why David writes, blessed are those whose hearts are set on the pilgrimage. So ask yourself, is my heart set for the pilgrimage? Desire and discipline will lead us to his presence. And there's nothing that will compare to his presence. Let me read the psalm again and listen especially to those last few verses. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young placed near your altar. God, that's, that's what I'm asking for. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, a place near your altar. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on the pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baca, the valley of tears and the valley of dryness. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Listen to me. My words, the best is yet to come. I don't care what you're going through. If better is one day in the courts than a thousand elsewhere, in the courts of God, than a thousand anywhere else, then the best is yet to come. I would rather be a doorkeeper, David says, in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. When we will determine that nothing is better than the delight that comes from his presence. When desire and discipline lead to light, I'm telling you, everything levels up. Prayer levels up. Life levels up. Blessing levels up. Wherever you find yourself today, the best is yet to come. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you that one day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. That a month of days in your courts is better than a lifetime elsewhere. God, I pray that you would develop in us that desire. I pray that you would sharpen and aim and awaken and ignite a a thirst in our hearts, a, a desire in our souls that cannot be satisfied by anything less than your presence. And God, I pray that we will not just settle for desire and delight. I pray that we would add discipline. I pray that we would we would have a certain grittiness to our, our pilgrimage, that, that we would endure, that we would persevere, that we would not give up, that we would be, a, be willing and able to pour everything that we have, everything that we have, into the pilgrimage, into your presence. And I pray that for each and every person who is listening. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.